These past two months, I've realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands. That time will come, but it's not now. I love my teammates and I love my supportive family. They make it all possible. I'm coming back for my 23rd season in Tampa. Unfinished business, LFG. That's how we started our week off. Well, after we saw the predictions and we were trying to watch bracketology, my good friend George said, uh, did you see the news? And I was actually walking scout at the time, so I didn't have my phone on me. When I got back, I had a missed call from you, had a bunch of notifications that the one and only Tom Brady has decided to come back for another season. Hello, everyone. Another week here of Talking Schmidt. I talked to George earlier this week, and I said, hey, let's uh, do a quick show. We're going to try to do a few shows here, obviously, for the round of 64. Um, I'm going to try to do one for the round of 32. If not, we might just post predictions. Uh, I'll explain that here in a minute. Um, But for right now, we're going to start off Talking Schmidt with a little bit of – Breaking news throughout, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit um, about bracketology, looking at some of the brackets, uh, predicting maybe some upsets to watch, things like that, um, in each one of the quadrants there of the bracket. And then we'll go into our predictions to kind of end the show out. But George, what a whirlwind it's been, um, not only in football. We know last week we had a chance to talk a lot about what was going on with some of the deals we had the Aaron Rodgers deal, the trade for Russell Wilson. Then we, you know, get to Sunday and all of a sudden Tom Brady's announcing that he's staying, he's coming back. He's not going to, he wasn't ready to sit on the sidelines. And so that's kind of where we start off this week, even though March madness begins on literally tomorrow. We we've learned this week that uh March madness, the term March madness is not only applied to basketball applies to everything. Because there's been some wild MLB news. There's been Tom Brady returning. There's been bracketology, all sorts of stuff's going on in the crazy month of March. We're in store for a fun one. Absolutely. And we start there, I guess. We've talked a little bit about Tom Brady. Um, One of the things I think is kind of funny about all of it is, uh, you know, they mentioned the guy who bought his final touchdown, which was a pass (laughs) to Mike Evans for $518,000. Right. (laughs) So now you got a guy who spent almost half a, you know, half a million on a football and it's not even the last one. So first things first, sell that ball, um, try to to make something like the hope, I guess, is that like, if, if you have 500 grand that you can spend on a football, you're not hurting. True. Like that, that's the hope there, but still I'd be, I'd be hot. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Some of the, uh, some of the other news that we were wanting to jump into, I know there's been a lot of baseball trade we've seen, uh, looks like the Reds organization given up, two of their starting pitchers. We've seen that as well. Um, The Braves made a a, a move today that could sell the fate there of Freddie Freeman, but it looks like Freddie Freeman may be uh, heading west. So um, we saw some of those. The Yankees made a big trade as well, getting rid of one of their guys that thought was going to be the, you know, the, the next big name behind the plate in Gary Sanchez. So um, they're bringing in obviously a former MVP and Donaldson. So, there's a lot going on in baseball. What was the most kind of shocking news in baseball you think? Obviously, we know in football the most shocking news this weekend was Tom Brady, so there's no other way to, to look past that. But in baseball so far for you, what's been kind of your shocking moment so far? The shocking moment so far to me has been the Cincinnati Reds as a whole. Like, that that roster had the ability to compete now in a central division that – is arguably a weaker division whenever it comes to looking at the NL West, the NL East restacking, things like that. Like it's a weaker division. 
So you have the Brewers at the top of it, of course. They have a really solid pitching staff, but the Reds were kind of in the middle of it with the Cardinals and possibly even the rebuilding Cubs this season. They, they had a chance at an outside shot at possibly winning that division or taking a wild card spot with the talent that was available on the roster. And over the course of the past three days, we've seen them dish off Sonny Gray, one of the front liners of that rotation and a good, still a good solid arm to have in your rotation. And then today they dish off Jesse Winker and Suarez, two of the big boppers within that lineup, the four and five hole hitters from that, from that team. And then also Nick Castellanos, their star outfielder is still a free agent. Nobody knows where he's going. So I don't. I really don't understand the thought process behind the Cincinnati Reds and why they decided to sell now. They've reloaded with some pretty solid prospects that they got from those trades, especially from the Mariners. They got a really high end pitching prospect in that deal, but it's going to be years down the road. I, I, I truly don't understand the thought process that the Cincinnati Reds have had the, over the course of the past few days. Yeah, you'd you'd wonder kind of. Uh, the mindset there, especially because, I mean, we both know we talked about it in last week's episode of Talking Schmidt. We talked a little bit about how they were starting off their season uh, against the defending world champion Braves. So, I mean, you kind of would expect when you know you're going to have to come out early on and take on a, a <laughs> tough organization to start with, you know, what what are you going to bring to the table? And right now it just looks like there might be some confusion there with Cincinnati because we really don't know what they're going to bring to the table at this point. You really don't like they've lost so many pieces just over the past couple of days and they're still pending free agents within that on that that were on that team last year that aren't going to be coming back. So it's truly going to be a mixed bag look coming from the Cincinnati Reds. And I really don't know what to expect coming opening weekend. We do know, though, like we talked about, we will have an opening day. So we do have yes. that coming back. So that's a that's a good sign there. However, the the big thing, uh, and we talked a little bit about Braves news. We talked about the possibility of not seeing Freddie Freeman. Uh, you texted me earlier today. It looks like that that's going to be more of it with the trade that we just saw with the athletics, um, getting a first baseman uh, to kind of fill that void at this point. Yes, and this is a classic case of Oakland playing Billy Bean Moneyball baseball here. So they have a star at first base in Matt Olson. But he's coming up on a contract year here in the next couple of years. He's facing arbitration next year. His base salary right now is sitting at $12 million, a much more team-friendly deal for Atlanta at this moment than what Freddie Freeman would have gotten. And so Braves took that opportunity. They jumped on it. They picked up a really solid player from the athletics today. As last year, he had a career year. He slashed 271 batting average. He had, he had an OPS, which is on base percentage and slugging percentage of over 900, which is very impressive. He slugged 39 home runs, had 111 RBIs, and recorded a war, which is wins above replacement at a 5.8, which was third highest amongst first basemen in the MLB last season. So Matt Olson is no slouch. And I know it's a, it's a really sad day in Braves country to lose a staple like Freddie Freeman, but he's coming up on age 32, or well, he is at age 32. He's coming up on age 33. And you're at that point, we've seen it in the Miguel Cabrera contract where he signed his big eight-year deal whenever he was 32 years old you're kind of reaching that peak of your career, and then it's kind of the downward slope after two or three more two or three more years. So the Braves really did not want to give Freddie Freeman that sixth year, sixth year on his contract, and that proved to be the selling point of that, of that dream there. So Matt Olson is a Brave. He's much younger. He's 27 years old, and he had, he's an all-star. He finished ninth in MVP voting last season. He's also a two-time Gold Glove winner. So 
in in retrospect, the Braves really are not. They are replacing Freddie Freeman with the best possible candidate here. So I'm okay with the trade. It's a sad day, as I said, for Braves country because Freddie Freeman is one of my favorite players, and he did so much for the city and the organization that is the Atlanta Braves. But life goes on. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll still kind of watch the fallout of what happens with Freddie and and obviously talk about that in later shows. The last kind of major trade that we saw, I think the Yankees went out, and uh, I think they're kind of in a win-now mentality, uh, getting rid of two of their younger guys. I mean, not super young, but, I mean, I know uh, Ursula and uh, uh, Gary Sanchez were two players that we thought maybe could – be those names as they continue to grow. And, and we saw, saw that maybe. And then of course the big trade happens and uh, they get uh, of course Donaldson, who I mentioned was a former MVP of the league. Uh, and then also picked up the name that it's a hyphenated name that we always kind of butcher here. So we're going to leave it here. If you need to know the trade, you can look it up. Um, but uh, Georgia uh, looking like I, if I'm the Yankees, it kind of looks like they're kind of going back to a mode of, all right, let's go get some of the top players if we can get them and see if we can't win now. I agree. Uh, they're selling, they're somewhat selling the farm as one could say, but not particularly. It's just younger. It's younger names. So Josh Donaldson, he's a proven MVP. As you said, he, he had a career resurgence in, in Atlanta about two, three years ago. And then Braves didn't resign him. He went off to Minnesota. He's kind of tapered off for the past couple of years. Maybe a change of scenery is all he needs. And he performs great in big situations. And the Big Apple is the perfect place for that. So we could see Josh Donaldson return to that form. He is. He does have some age on him. He's. I believe he's 37, 38 years old, around that age at this point. So he's got some age on him, but that's also experience. And then uh, trading off Gio Urshela. And Gary Sanchez within that deal shows to me that the Yankees are comfortable with going with Austin Romine as their number one option. There's also a catcher that the Twins dealt to them in that deal, but I can never remember the name. But anyway, I never really heard of him. There's not much about him, but it shows me they're comfortable with Austin Romine. He's a solid defensive catcher, has a rocket of an arm, but the bats kind of faltered here and there. It's kind of similar situation with Gary Sanchez in the past couple of years. The bat hasn't been there. He's not the Gary wasn't the best defensively over the past couple of years either. So I felt the Yankees felt that it was time to move on and they saw an opportunity and they took it. And now I'm kind of interested to see some of the other moves that teams like the Yankees could make because there's still some big names out there, especially in the middle infield position like Carlos Correa is still available. Trevor Story is still available. Of course, Freddie Freeman over first base is still available. And you got some good relief pitching like Kenley Jansen, who's still on the market as well. So there's a lot that could still happen for the Yankees. And if they're truly in a win now mode and going back to Steinbrenner baseball, they'll, they'll buy what they need. So, yeah. And also, I mean, the Kenner, uh, what is it? Falifa. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, can't, we, I know I we butcher it. Um, <laughs> but I believe he also played some games at catcher for the Rangers, if I'm not mistaken. So he's an all-around utility. Yeah, he's a utility guy. So, I mean, if you look at it, you know Glaber Torres is still there. Uh, I know mm-hmm. Glaber Torres is a young guy, only 25, batted 259 last year, nine home runs, uh, 51 RBIs. So you really don't want to lose a guy like Glaber Torres if you can keep him in the infield as well. Uh, you still have DJ LeMay, who, who's a little bit older. Uh, you mentioned there's some first-base guys Big out machine. there. Luke Voigt's still obviously on that roster as well, and we don't really know what Donaldson's going to do, if he's going to be a third baseman the full-time or if you're able to use him as a DH. We know Luke Voigt's been used as a DH as well. Um, 
So there's going to be a lot that you're going to look at with this Yankees roster. I mean, still, I mean, even with the team that is, I mean, you you have some older guys on there, obviously. I think Josh Donaldson may be the oldest guy currently um, on the team. I think he Brett is. Gardner hasn't re-signed, right? No, and he, no, 36, so yes, 36 years old. Araldis Chapman's 34. So I think... Donaldson as your oldest guy currently right now, which is very weird for the Yankees because, you know, normally they have the most veteran lineup uh, with they normally get the older guys anyway. But, I mean, you mean Judge is 29. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton's still there. He's normally a DH as well. So, I mean, he can play the field. So, you're going to have to see kind of what that roster and that lineup does. But, obviously, adding, you know, Donaldson in there is could be a huge swing in that infield. 247 batting average last year. 26 home runs for uh, Josh Donaldson last year. So, I mean, looking at it, I, I think the Yankees still need a little bit more pitching help. I think we all know that. I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, I think the Yankees are always like, well, if we can bat enough runs and we don't need to really worry about pitching. And I think it's kind of been the case uh, for most of my life with it. I mean, they've had some major aces and they normally just kind of roll on one or two big names. But uh, again, I, I thought that, you know, looking at the trade, Maybe you, some people might be a little upset about Gary Sanchez going away, but when looking at his numbers, he wasn't as impressed as I, as I think many people would have thought he should have been, I guess is the way to kind of put it. Exactly. Like whenever he came up, he was a top prospect. He was regarded as going to be a second coming of Pudge Rodriguez. Yeah. And he just, he never really hit that stride. He had some great, he had some great power years where I believe uh, his career high total in home run was 36. So he, there was always some pop there, but just the consistency and the defensive stability just wasn't there. And the Yankees felt it was time to move on. Well, maybe it's time for us to move on. Let's move on and talk a little bit about what people are really here for. Bracket time, bracketology. George and I are just going to make random blind guesses. And that's the way that basketball works this time of year. I, is there any other way to put it? Not at all. It's a madness of March. You got to be blind because you pick the, the more stupid you pick, the more right you are. That's how it seems. More than likely. Let's step aside here, take our first break on Talking Schmidt. When we come back, we'll have a look at the West and the East in this next segment. Then we'll jump to the South and the Midwest, and then we'll make our predictions in the final segment. So a four-segment show, normally just a three-segment show. But with everything going on, we had to put some breaking news in there. I'm hoping that for the round of 32, George, we can just kind of ease into it, make predictions. We don't have crazy news like Favre coming out of retirement or something. (laughs) Who knows at this point? Terry Bradshaw wants to play another year. Who knows? We'll figure it out. Let's step aside when we come back. More on Talking Schmidt. And welcome back to Talking Schmidt, powered by Big Timber Roofing and our guy, Corey Turner, who's uh, in not enjoying the weather here in Clarksville, Tennessee. He's uh, down in uh, Mexico having a great time is really where he's at. So uh, I know he likes to travel the world. If you know our good friend, Corey Turner, he is a world traveler. He is enjoying uh, like when it was snowing here, he was out having a great time in Mexico. So uh Give our guy, Corey Turner, a call, 931-472-5055 with Big Timber Roofing. He'll give you a free estimate on your roof, uh, let you know what you may need to fix, especially after snows like this. You never know. You might find something as the snow began to melt on your roof. 
could cause some damage. You'll figure it out, and you don't want to figure it out in a bad way. You want Corey to figure it out before it happens. So give our guy, Corey Turner, a call at Big Timber Roofing, or you can email him at bigtimberroofing at gmail.com. Visit his website, bigtimberroofing.com. All right, moving in. It's bracketology time. George, we're going to start in the West. I think the clear favorite in the West, in my opinion, is Gonzaga. I don't think that there's many people that would disagree with that. Um, I think this is going to be a weird run for Duke. I could see them making it all the way to the final four with, uh, with it being coach K's year. I could see them winning it all with it being coach K's last year, maybe is saving his best coaching for last, but I also could see them getting bounced in the second round by a team like Michigan state if they're there. So I don't really know too much uh, other than what I've seen kind of those last few games of work for Duke, the loss at home against North Carolina, uh, the loss against like, handed loss, by the way. I mean, Virginia Tech smacked him in the ACC championship. Virginia so, Tech is hot. Yes, absolutely. So looking at this West bracket, who is your favorite to come out if you were having to pick just looking at it right now? Uh, it's, it's kind of the obvious choice. Like you said, it's Gonzaga. They every single year they're a tough tournament team until they get to the final four of the championship game. They can never seem to finish the job. That's the that's the glowing question about Gonzaga this year is is this the year they finally get over that hump and win a championship? Because last year, whenever they played Baylor, it was the battle of the top two teams in the country, and there was one team that was better than Gonzaga, and it was Baylor. And they just happened to run into him in the national championship. So We'll see. I, I I agree with you. I think Gonzaga is the is the clear cut favorite in that. Duke could make that magical run, as you say, but also I could see a 15-2 upset with Cal State Fullerton with which which wow. Duke team shows up. Like it really depends because that's a young Duke team as it always is. And if they're if they're player big names such as Paolo Banchero show up, they'll be fine. But if they don't, they're gonna struggle. And also I could see Arkansas in the West make some noise. Arkansas is a very streaky team, and if they get hot and they get momentum behind them, they could really make some noise in this West bracket. They have, but they do have that tough first-round matchup against Vermont. That is a sleeper upset right there. Yeah, that's that's actually where I was going to go to next. I feel that that is probably the biggest upset that we could see out of the West is Vermont with as, as good as they are. Vermont is a team that likes to score. Uh, they don't, they, it's kind of like a, uh, a, a Phoenix suns who cares about defense. We're going to put points up. They're quick. Um, they like to get to the basket. I know Arkansas is a very strong defensive team. Uh, Note is probably the best guy that they have on the floor. Uh, he was in foul trouble. Um, I guess uh, against Texas A&M and that's kind of how Arkansas got bounced there, uh, was mm -hmm. just the fact that he stayed in foul trouble and really couldn't come off. I think he played with four fouls for, uh, as long as he could. Um, so it was like that, the last 10 minutes of the game. Yeah. So credit <laughs> him, but if you don't have notes and you can't have him on the floor and he has to be as cautious as he can, he can't draw, he can't step in there and, and take a charge. I mean, what do you have there? And so, yeah, I agree with you. I think Vermont um, is a sleeper upset team on that first day for or not the first day, but at least in that first round for me as well. Now you obviously said Cal state Fullerton could be there as well. Um, I think Davidson could uh, could take down Michigan State as well. I don't I don't see Davidson, um, especially with the loss to Richmond. I think they're going to come in hot. 
Uh, we obviously expect Davidson to shoot the three ball. You wouldn't expect anything else from the alma mater of the one and only Steph Curry. So uh, I think if Davidson can get hot, and both these teams like to shoot three, Michigan State and Davidson like to shoot threes. The only thing that could save Michigan State is uh, in the state of Michigan, there is a phrase that goes January, February, Izzo. So, I mean, that's the one thing I feel could pull Michigan State, obviously, has that advantage is who they have as a head coach. But that Vermont game, I'm going to keep my eyes on it. Actually covered a kid who plays at Vermont. I covered him during, I believe, his junior year while he was at Joplin High. So uh, Evan Guillory and the fighting catamounts of Vermont. We got to see how they're going to do. But any other upset that you could see brewing out of the West? Uh, the, the other one that sticks out to me is uh, the play-in team, Rutgers or Notre Dame. Both of those teams have upset net top 15 opponents. Uh, Rutgers did it against Purdue, and uh, Notre Dame did it against Kentucky. So both have that upset potential, and they're going up at number six seed, Alabama. Alabama is another one of those teams where either they're hot or they're not. So I think whichever team makes it out of that play and makes it into the tournament through that playing game has the real potential to upset that Alabama squad and move on to the round of 32. Absolutely. I've, I've thought that as well, uh, just looking at the bracket instead. I think I think your, your safe locks here, obviously, Gonzaga. Um, I think UConn's a safe lock. Uh, I think Texas Tech is a safe lock. Um, mm-hmm. I could see, you know, uh, we'll talk about who we have prediction-wise. Um, that Memphis-Boise State game, peaking my interest. That's a good Definitely one. fired up for that one. A, a very fast, young Memphis team uh, that has a lot to prove after losing uh, in their conference championship game to a very uh, tough Houston team. Uh, which is one of my favorites in this entire bracket is Houston, but Boise State needing to clinch away into the tournament. How do you do it? You win your tournament, uh, you mm-hmm. win your conference tournament, knock off San Diego State, which was uh, an incredible game as well. That was one of those first uh, few March Madness feeling games that you finally had. So I, I agree with you there. I think we're going to have a great looking at this. I, I think other than Gonzaga, it's very hard to say you know, that you can put a ton of faith in a lot of teams. I, I think that's where, I, like you said, I think there's a lot of teams that we're seeing in that first round. Maybe Texas Tech. Um, like I said, I mean, those Very are Very stout of, defensively. Yeah, that's that's one of those teams. But if I'm looking at a team from that that bracket that I feel good about, um, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards Gonzaga and Texas Tech kind of battling it out for a trip to the Final Four. Um, other than that... Like I said, I don't I don't feel super comfortable with a lot of those other teams in there, even a Duke team that, like you said, it can be hit or miss with them. Any other team besides Gonzaga that you kind of feel safe about? Not in the West. I think Gonzaga's gonna I think Gonzaga's in a league of their own in that one, besides possibly maybe an Arkansas run or a Duke run, depending on which one of them shows up. So I'm I'm leaning towards Gonzaga as well. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the East. Uh, I think your clear favorite. Uh, well, I don't even. I don't know if you can say clear favorite. Um, as much as Baylor is a top team, defending champions, uh, I don't think that they're the same team. I, I, I'm seeing some. I mean, if you were able to watch Purdue in that Big Ten championship game, I mean, other than Iowa just getting hot late in that game, Purdue pretty much had and stayed into that game as much as possible. They have some big names, uh, Edie. That kid's gigantic. He's a monster out there. Great rebounding machine, great scoring machine in the paint. I like Ivy. 
Um, the one thing about Purdue is if they get down late in the game, their three point weren't uh, three point shooting wasn't that great. It's kind of where we saw them fall off a little bit for me, but I think this is a very tough East bracket. Baylor's in there. North Carolina, we know that they can win big games. Um, UCLA, uh, Virginia Tech, like we talked about, Purdue, um, Kentucky. Those are all teams that I'm looking at out there that are very tough. I think the East, they're going to beat up on each other a little bit before making it out here. Do you have a, a clear-cut favorite? Or are you kind of leaning the same way I am where I'm seeing a lot of names? I'm like, man, this is about to be a dogfight. The East is really tough. It's it's a scrappy, scrappy region. And Baylor's in for – they're going to have a run for their money like throughout the course of this run, if they can make a run. Because, I mean, you're looking at a matchup where Baylor, if they move – of course, if they beat Norfolk State in the first round, they're going to be playing North Carolina or Marquette. So that, could, that right there is like, dang, that could be an upset in the round of 32. And then you have a team like UCLA at a four seed in that, in that bracket that – made that magical final four run last year and they returned nine players from that team. So they'd been there before they can do it. And then Kentucky, obviously if Kentucky's healthy and they're shooting well, they're arguably the best team in the country. So that, that region is a toss up completely. We got, we got a lot of hot teams in there such as Virginia tech. And even though Purdue just lost a conference championship, like you said, they're still a good squad. And even Teams like St. Mary, who's upset Gonzaga throughout the course of the season, like they could get hot and make a run. You never know. Or even a playing team, Wyoming, Indiana, fast-paced offenses. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight to see who gets out of the East. Major upsets that I'm looking at. Uh, obviously, I think Virginia Tech can make it out of there. Um, I don't – I mean – Depending on Wyoming or Indiana, I think that could be either one of those teams. I, I, I'm leaning kind of heavily to the Hoosiers right now. I think they had a great tournament run. Um, I thought that they proved a lot of people. I think the upset against Illinois was huge for their just uh, momentum. I mean, and then the game they yes. played against Iowa, it was a game winner to beat Indiana. Like they almost took down the the Big Ten champs. I mean, so yeah. you're looking at that game. I mean, that could have been a you know a battle of Indiana between the Hoosiers and Boilermakers. That would have been a fantastic mm -hmm. Big Ten championship as well. And who's not to say that Indiana could have just continued to caught fire or catch fire and then maybe they're an eighth seat, you know? Like so mm -hmm. looking at where right. this is, I mean, I don't you know, that could be another one to kind of watch another play in game who can take out that team there. Uh, another team that I know uh, I was kind of listening in and and obviously we're keeping track of the OVC champion as well. I think Murray State will more than handle San Francisco in their opening game. I mean, just watching that team play this year with KJ Williams and uh, Tevin Brown. I mean, that's a very tough, tough team that you're going to see in Murray state. I think it's a team that's going to play well against Kentucky. Also. Uh, I think mm -hmm. if Kentucky does not, if Kentucky plays down, like you talked about, uh, if Kentucky's not healthy, if they can't get shooting, right. Murray state's one of those teams where, if they can get shooting right, they're dangerous as well. Those guys like Tevin Brown, like I just mentioned, uh, they can shoot lights out when they get going. So, I mean, there's there's a mm -hmm. lot of guys out there for Murray State that are dangerous as well. So, I mean, looking at that, I mean, you have that chance for them to sneak in. Also, did, did you know this is the first time that the University of Kentucky and Murray State will ever play each other? That's pretty this crazy very, to think. This is the very first time. 
So anything can happen. It's a first-time matchup. You never know. And Murray State couldn't just lose to Moorhead State so we could have two OVC tournament teams. Right. Goodness gracious. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, looking at it there, I think my biggest upset I'm keeping an eye on that I think would happen is going to be that Virginia Tech-Texas game. Now, I am a huge proponent of picking Ivy League teams. Okay? Mm-hmm. I think Ivy League teams are – some of the most fun teams to watch when it comes to the tournament. Uh, I think that they're just uh, fun to watch. I think they're wild. Uh, So for me, that Yale-Purdue game, I'm putting Purdue on an upset watch just because Mm -hmm. who knows? The Ivy League comes in. I mean, you think of the years past, how many times we've seen Ivy League teams sneak out of victory. Now, granted, I I thought Princeton maybe should have been there watching that final game. Mm -hmm. I mean, they literally have the possession to win it, but, I mean, there's a reason why Yale's here. So, mm-hmm. for me at least, I, I think that that could be a, a good upset to watch as well. Do you have any upset alerts that you're looking at? Uh, the big one for me is the Virginia Tech-Texas game that we've kind of already hit on. Virginia Tech is red hot. Like, just a few short weeks ago, they were sitting at 9-9. Nine and nine. Like, not even considered to be in the tournament. And then they get red hot and just rip off an incredible streak to end their season and knock off Duke in their conference championship games. Do you ride the hot hand there and take Virginia Tech? I know I am. And uh, then you're just looking at the play-in games, like you said, with Wyoming and Indiana. I think if Indiana can make it out of that play-in game and get to St. Mary's, I think Indiana just rides it. So I I put it in St. Mary's on upset alert as well. It's always that 12-5 game that's always kind of the, the, you know, the sketchy ones. So – those are my two big upsets in this in the East. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Let's go ahead and take a break here since we had a chance to look at the West and the East. George and I are going to come back. We're going to take a look at the South and the Midwest regions. We'll have a chance to kind of break down those brackets, tell you who we have a favorite, uh, who we're looking at to kind of come out of there, who we think maybe could be that team, and, of course, upsets to watch on that first day that will all just play into what is called March Madness. You're listening to Talking Schmidt. And welcome back to Talking Schmidt. Normally our third segment is our final segment, but we have one more after this because George and I are going to make our first round predictions. We are also going to do our best. I have to make it up tonight, I believe. I'm going to go ahead and create a bracket for our show. So Talking Schmidt's going to have its first ever. This is crazy. Our first ever March Madness tournament uh, challenge. We're going to use ESPN for it. So I'm going to have my own kind of leaderboard checking it out. I'll give everybody who listens whatever kind of give shout outs to top people who had the best round. Um, obviously, we're going to have one major bracket in there ourselves, both myself, George. I'm sure Josh will do it as well. We'll get a few other people in there um, to pick with us. Uh, it's it's going to be, you know, obviously, I'm going to post it on Facebook, whatever. So, uh, and on my social media. So, you guys will be able to find it at, uh, I believe, at underscore coach underscore Schmidt. George will go ahead and share it as well. So, if you follow my guy, George, on there, it's what at G Hollow. At G Holloway 30. That's what it is. So, You'll be able to find it on there. So if you feel like you want to jump in, make us look bad, whatever it is, go ahead. Uh, feel free to give us heck when we're losing, whatever it is. But it is, I just think it's going to be fun to have that first ever um, bracket because I didn't do it last year. I only really got one bracket show in, and now George and I are talking about rattling off a show per round. So that's going to be a, a lot of fun, Where especially this weekend, as I was mentioning early on in the show, uh, this weekend, I'll actually be in Lexington, Kentucky, because the Austin P. Women's basketball team 
still alive, baby. Season's not over. They're going to be in the Women's Basketball Invitational, and they actually start off on Friday with a 1.30 game against St. Mary's. So St. Mary's men obviously playing in this tournament. The Austin P women will be playing in a tournament as well in Lexington, Kentucky. So I will be in big blue country for three days, but not at Kentucky. So I won't be, I'll be elsewhere. But anyway, I digress on that. I think it's definitely a cool thing though. So if you get a chance to, you can tune in, I guess, technically to ESPN Clarksville. Um, and I'll give you a heads up on the schedule and when we could be playing and, and all that good jazz. So if you want to listen to, to some really good, I mean, we have probably our women's basketball team was absolutely on fire this year Two all OVC first teamers, um, a lot of young players out there making things happen. So uh, you'll get a chance to hear a little bit more basketball uh, locally, at least as well as I know you'll be watching tournament games also and keeping up with that. But again, big thing, we're trying to make sure we get that bracket started. Um, so if you're listening to this episode, run over, pop over to the social media as quick as possible, wherever it is, try to find the link for us. Um, I'll try to attach it in the description as well of this podcast. So that way you should be able to just click on it and go. So we want you to be a part of that with us. With all that being said now, George, and I've been able to clear that up. I, I think you were fired up about that as well. To uh, We talked about that earlier today. So I know you're pretty fired up. Um, and I think we know a lot of the people that will be joining in on that bracket will give us grief if yes. uh, they're doing better than us so <laughs> oh absolutely if we like the person we might even let them come on and talk with us about it for sure yes okay <laughs> that works too all right let's go ahead and jump right into the south this is the the quadrant if you will that i know that you're keeping your eye on the most as the university of tennessee mm-hmm. is in there taking on the longwood lancers who won their um won their tournament uh, conference tournament to get in there. Uh, I look at this one. I, d- I see Arizona as a number one. I don't think Arizona will make it out, to be honest with you. I, I don't think, I think that there's a lot of tough teams there. Arizona, Houston, um, Illinois, if they're hot. Uh, I see a Michigan team in there that can be dangerous always. Tennessee's playing some of their best ball. Villanova's in there. And another one that I kind of have my eye on as well is Loyola Chicago. Uh, I don't see us going against Sister Jean as well in this one. So looking at that, do you have a clear favorite that you're looking at saying this team's going to come out? Absolutely not. The South, the South region is arguably the toughest region in the whole tournament. Four out of the top eight net teams, which is basically power rankings, come in the South, come in this division or in this region. Yeah, you're looking at Arizona, uh, Illinois, Tennessee, and Villanova. And arguably, and Houston's a top 15 net. So five out of top 15. That's a really, really tough region right there. And some of the first round matchups, like they, that, that are, you can say that like look juicy, I guess, would be like that Ohio State Loyola Chicago game. Like Loyola Chicago, we've seen the history in the tournament. Sister Jean, they always seem to have some magic with her. And so playing an Ohio State team that's very streaky. We've seen throughout the course of the season they've pulled some, they've had some massive victories and they've had some bad, bad losses. I can see Loyola Chicago even making a Cinderella run throughout this region as they did so a few years ago, or even as last year where they made it to the Sweet 16, I believe. And it's just it's an all-around tough region. It's it's gonna it's gonna be a dogfight, kind of how the uh, East was. And so we'll see. Time will tell. And I'm I'm excited to get into it. Here's a here's a crazy stat line for you. I just I was kind of looking at the games, making sure I had enough written down because I looked down at my roster on Thursday. Uh, Tennessee, they're the only three seed to play. 
Really? The other, the other three seeds. So Purdue, Wisconsin, and Texas Tech will all be playing on Friday. So Tennessee is the only three seed to play uh, on that first day. I was kind of looking through there to see. Mm-hmm. Also weird enough for you, if you like this one, I know Tennessee and Kentucky fans, both will be playing on day one. So if Tennessee gets the win and Kentucky gets upset, you'll hear Vols fans absolutely giving it to Big Blue Nation and vice versa. So mm-hmm. I know that'll be a, a fun thing to kind of keep an eye as well. Uh, again, I agree with you. I think Loyola Chicago could make a run. Uh, I think that I don't, I don't think Ohio State is safe. Um, I, I like that ability to see a Villanova, Loyola, Chicago in that next round in the round of 32. Um, I think uh, with the with the Cinderella maybe that we saw from Chattanooga, I think mm-hmm. that there's a possibility that a Chattanooga you know team that team is able to advance and might knock off Illinois. I know that they have some. Uh, Illinois has an absolute beast down low, a seven footer. Um, but again, Kofi. yeah, Kofi Cockburn. So I mean, you know that he's a he's a talented player as well. And Illinois, like I said, that upset from Indiana. You know where are they at mentally? You know, but again, I don't know if Illinois wins in that round if they get past Houston. To be honest with you, my favorite kind of coming out of this, I, I have three favorites really that I'm looking at, keep an eye on: Houston, Tennessee, and Villanova are really there. And and that's unfortunate. Um, for Arizona, because I just don't know if Arizona gets past Houston, to be honest with you. Um, I could see Arizona getting maybe upset by a Seton Hall team. Um, I, th- I think that could happen. I also, that Seton Hall-TCU game, I, I talked about that Memphis uh, that Memphis 8-9 matchup with Boise State. I think the Seton Hall-TCU game is a amazing 8-9 matchup that's going to be absolutely uh, a thriller. And I think that's, looking at it, that's the final game that we're going to have. So on Friday night, that's your last game. That's your that's your marquee game, and I think it's uh, the winner of that one. We could see go on to the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, that TCU team, I'll, I'll tell you this much: being there in person, uh, we had a chance to kind of get a, a fun little um, matchup, you know, with DJ PV and his brother there at TCU, uh, which was really mm-hmm. cool to watch that when we when Austin P went to play TCU. But I will tell you, they are a young team. They have some young playmakers that are just phenomenal. That's the only game while watching as kind of like a broadcaster, but also a spectator of Austin P basketball, where our big man, you know, who is the reigning OVC freshman of the year, uh, kind of looked around and was like, holy cow, this is, this is not, you know, this is a, a different breed. Uh, they have a big seven footer. Uh, I think he's six eleven, seven foot kind of freshman as well at TCU, who's just an absolute animal um, in that game. Uh, plus, if you've never been to TCU, uh, I will tell you right now, that is a beautiful uh, arena, and it is a beautiful football stadium. So if you ever get a chance to go up there and watch the Horned Frogs, go inside, watch a basketball game, go through their Hall of Fame. That was so cool to be a part of. We got to see so many cool things um, that are in there. Um just a fantastic kind of like uh like built into the basketball arena. You have the actual like where all their trophies and stuff are. It's really, really cool. So if you get a chance to sneak over to TCU sometime in your life, go to Fort Worth, whatever, you know, Fort Worth's on your mind, maybe. I don't know. Uh go visit that arena because you'll absolutely love it. But um looking at this major upsets for me, I like I said, uh, I could see putting a team like uh, Illinois on upset alert. Um, Ohio State, I would put them on upset alert as well. 
and I really don't know much about Colorado State. I don't know. Maybe you've been able to watch them a little bit or not. I really haven't. Uh, other than like really your major Pac-12 teams, you know, your your Arizona, UCLA's, USC's this year, occasionally the Oregon's, things like that. You really don't see much from non, I guess, uh, Pac-12 schools other than Gonzaga and St. Mary's, things like that. So this Colorado State team is a little bit uh, – I guess I'm kind of weary about them. Don't know much, but I guess I'm going to put them on upset alert just because it's Michigan. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you. I don't know too much about Colorado State. I know they do have a dynamic point guard, but, I mean, it's kind of like that power five versus, you know, the small, smaller. So so that that's the reason I'm putting them on upset as well because I didn't believe Michigan should have even been in the tournament sitting at 17 and 14. And I don't think they were a tournament team. I think multiple teams got kind of robbed from that. And not even to be in, in the tournament, they, they were an at-large bid. Like, they don't even have a play-in game. And that's just kind of mind-boggling to me. But like you said, the only reason that I'm putting Colorado State on upset alert against Michigan is because I don't know too much about them. Yeah, I agree with that. You have a clear I, – I think we went over that. Who do you feel could come out of the South there? What team are you looking at saying – I think, and you can go two teams. You can give me three teams that you're thinking could be in there. I know I gave three earlier where I felt it could be Houston, Tennessee, Villanova, uh, maybe even Loyola, Chicago. If you had to kind of put maybe who you had faith in coming out, are you going to stick with your favorite team or do you have somebody else in mind that you might look at? I have three teams that I have faith in really to get out of the South. And uh, number one being, of course, number one seed, Arizona. Uh the, one of the three losses on the season was to Tennessee at Thompson Bowling Arena, but everyone lost to Tennessee at Thompson Bowling Arena. And their other two losses came whenever their leading score was really banged up. So Arizona, they're always tough, dynamic offense. Not, I won't say smothering defense, but a good enough defense where they score more points. So, so I, I think Arizona is, is one of the clear-cut favorites to make it out of the South. Also looking at Villanova. Anytime Villanova's in, in the tournament, they're tough. Like that, That's just a tough, tough draw in that first round for Delaware and possibly that second round for Loyola, Chicago, or, or Ohio State. And if Ohio – and excuse me, if Villanova can get past the round of 32, they are definitely capable of making that deep run because they get that full head of steam behind them. And Tennessee is kind of the same way. They're a team uh, – they're, they've been streaky all throughout the course of the year. And right now, as you said, they're playing some of their best basketball – Hopefully it continues that way, but I mean, Tennessee's broke my heart more times than I can count. So, I mean, we'll see, but uh, they got a tough matchup against Longwood in the first round. And then uh, if they are able to get past that Michigan or Colorado state is no slouch either, but I'm kind of going to run with the same point as like Villanova that I did with Villanova. If Tennessee can get past that round of 32 and if Villanova does as well, that sweet 16 matchup is going to be must see TV. Because Villanova beat Tennessee earlier in the season by 18 points whenever Tennessee was not not the same Tennessee team they are now. So I, I think it's gonna be that's gonna be a bloodbath. Uh, so hopefully we get to see that matchup because that would that would be pretty cool. But yeah. those are my three. Like, those are my and three. A lot of times when I'm looking at teams like that as well, I, I have to look at coaches and you know, Jay Wright's resume is one of the best in all of call. I mean, you're you when you think of some of the names that are obviously in here, some of these top seeds and uh, things like that. I mean, Jay Wright, Coach K's in there. I mean, you just have so many Bill Self, um, 
you know, Bruce Pearl down there with Auburn. I mean, you just have so much going on with these teams that it's very hard for me to kind of look at it and be like, okay, like, um, you know, who's going to, uh, who's going to actually come out alive on this one. So, um, Jay Wright though, I, that's why I would, I would say if I was going to pick out of there, I think Villanova could sneak out of there, um, just off based off coaching and, and Jay Wright, he's been there before he's done this before type deal. So I agree with you there. Let's move on to the Midwest, uh, Looking at the Midwest, I mean, there's some very obviously some tough teams in there. Kansas being that one seed, you have Auburn as the two seed. Um, you know, you have a Wisconsin team that's a very defensive minded team. Um, you have Iowa, who's coming off a, a hot moment, playing against a team that's coming off a hot moment in Richmond in that first round. Um, I mean, just looking at it. I don't know, for me at least, I would say, obviously, Kansas is a favorite for me, but again, I mean, I'm a big Ochai Abaje guy. I like him. Uh, I liked him just the way he plays. I think he's talented. Uh, But the one thing about Kansas is, you know, I I feel safe with giving them a win in the first round, but who knows what comes at them in, in the second round. Are they able to beat that? Are they... Could they sneak if they got a chance to play Providence or Iowa, you know, or even if, you know, Richmond does sneak there, do they get upset there? I mean, that's kind of been, you know, Bill Self, they won the regular season. They won the conference tournament. Kansas is playing great ball. But again, with Kansas, you know, we have seen them choke in the past. So to me, I don't know if Kansas is a clear-cut favorite. I would put them as one of my clear-cut favorites. I think Auburn has a great chance of coming out of there as well. Um other than that, I mean, the Friars are playing great ball. I don't see that. Iowa's playing great ball right now as well. Like I mentioned with Wisconsin, has a really good defensive strategy as well. So, I mean, your top seeds in there, maybe your top five or, or six teams are pretty talented teams to kind of get that first look at at least. And uh, I don't really see a major upset coming from there. I mean, I guess you could always put USC on an upset alert with Miami, but even then uh, I see USC making it to that next round as well. Absolutely. Uh, I don't have a clear-cut favorite at all in this region. This is kind of my toss-up, I guess you could say, because I see four, five matchups here that could all be upsets. And so one of one of them being the biggest, the, probably the biggest upset that I have would be that Providence-South Dakota State game. South Dakota State has not lost in a very, very, very long time. They're 30-4 and four overall on the season. They their first three losses came within the first two weeks of the season, and they've only lost one game throughout the course. And of course, they ran through their conference tournament, and they have dynamic three point shooting, like like elite three point shooting. And so, if they're hot and Providence isn't, anything could happen there. So I have Providence on full upset alert. I actually have South Dakota State winning that game. That's a prediction right there. But um, and then also in this in this bracket. LSU's reeling after a coaching change. Mm-hmm. Like Will Wade just got fired like 20 minutes, 20 minutes after or before selection show. So Iowa State is sitting there like licking their chops. Like they're like, oh, we got we got a team without a head coach <laughs> coming in. And then they have potentially a matchup against a reeling Wisconsin team in the round of 32, who is Wisconsin has absolutely limped into the tournament. They have fallen off tremendously over the past couple of weeks. So Iowa State, they have potential to make a Sweet 16 or even deeper run there, and I could definitely see that happening. And as you stated earlier, USC, solid squad with Isaiah Mobley leading the way. And 
I, I got they could possibly make a deep run, even if they match up against Auburn in the round of 32. Auburn has kind of limped into this tournament over the past couple of weeks. So we'll just see which teams show up. It's a mixed bag for me. So no, there's definitely not a clear cut favorite here. We'll see. A lot of upsets though for you there. I, I like that. I, I like. Uh, I think when I always uh, when I make my brackets, I don't put enough upsets in there, or I put too much. I never get. Um, <laughs> I never get enough with that. I, I get to a point with. Uh, sometimes I'll come to a bracket and I'll get it done. And then I'm like, all right, well, I've picked all this. And then I'm having, you know, I have my ones, twos, threes, and fours all kind of advancing. And then I kind of look mm-hmm. at it and I'm like, all right, well, somebody's got to lose. Like there's got to be an upset. Like somebody, <laughs> you know, Colgate, are they going to be the ones that upset Wisconsin? I mean, that's kind of mm-hmm. what I'm looking at. So, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I think um, the big thing for me is, is just, what we're going to see from this one, I, like I said, I think this is a good kind of toss up uh, and this this region alone could be the one where you just go ahead on that first day or second day. Just go ahead and catch the bracket on fire. So, oh, absolutely. <laughs> so we'll have to see. The only thing that I hope happens is I hope Auburn just beats the brakes off of Jacksonville State because Jacksonville State shouldn't be there. And we talked about this last week. They shouldn't <laughs> yes. be there. It, uh, I get Bellarmine is, uh, still transitioning into division one, so they can't technically go until 2025, but you know, Jacksonville state, I just, uh, I don't think they should be there simply put end end case. Uh, that's an old OVC hatred though. So I guess I can, can kind of say that, Uh, but I do hope that Auburn gets that victory against them. George, let's go ahead and take our final break here. We come back. We're going to start our predictions. We'll start with the first four. Uh, they're not, I, I know they're technically called play in games, but as we heard yesterday when we were watching Bracketology and watch the bracket show on Sunday, because we are, well, that was yesterday. We're recording this on Monday. Hey, happy Pi Day, by the way, on happy March Pi 14th. Day. Yeah, absolutely. Did you get a pie today? I did not. Uh, well, I did not. That is very unfortunate for all of us. But first four. <laughs> You've made the tournament, technically. That mm-hmm. is what the committee has wanted to say. First four, you have made the tournament. It is not a fact of you're not a tournament team, but technically you still are playing into the round of 64. So regardless, they don't want to call it a play-in game. We'll call it a play-in game because nobody's going to come sanction us. So Thanks. we'll go ahead and start there with those first four games, uh, and then we'll move into the games on Thursday, make our predictions, and then the games on Friday. Uh, and then, like I said, George and I are going to try our best late on Friday night. Whew. Late on a Friday night, we're going to try to make predictions, get a show up for you on Saturday morning to get you into the round of 32. Uh, yes. I will I will be gassed, but it's okay. That's that's what I'm here for, right? Give the people what they want, George. Absolutely. The All people right. come first. That's right. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll come back with more here on Talking Schmidt. So during that commercial break, which is not a commercial because all it is is music interlude, unless you guys want to start advertising for us and make commercials and pay us money. Um, is that a good plug? Is that a good way to get money, George? Yeah, for sure. Just ask. <laughs> you just got to ask for money. Somebody will give it to you eventually. Somebody will yeah. want to be, be a good on paying sponsor and um, 
do things like that. So yeah, we get more money that way. That's what we want. I uh, do want to give a shout out though, of course, to our main man, our main sponsor who powers the show for us, Big Timber Roofing, our guy, Corey Turner. Give him a call, 931-472-5055. If you're looking to get a free estimate on your roof, see if there's anything that needs to be done. My guy, Corey, with Big Timber Roofing will get you taken care of. You can also uh, visit him online at BigTimberRoofing.com. Shoot him an email at BigTimberRoofing at gmail.com. He'll take care of you. He is now stretched all the way into North Carolina. Wild. My guy's working in Tennessee, Kentucky. He has a branch out of North Carolina as well. Uh, he's a very hardworking guy, one of my best friends. Um, so very excited to see the growth of his business. And if I can get him any help by any of you who are listening, it'd be uh, kind of cool, I guess. I don't know. So whatever. But anyway. <laughs> Moving along with that, during the break, I showed George the only thing I've ever asked for at a flea market or a antique mall, as my wife just yelled into me, it was not a flea market. Um, we've apparently have never been to a flea market before. I've been to a lot of antique malls, though, according to her. So this is a the road to the final four. Um, it is a, an actual, obviously, you guys can't see it. George can see it, though. It is mm -hmm. a um, actual bracket before the play-in games were a thing. Um, and it is a like dry erase board. So whenever this goes on, I will take pictures of it. Um, once we get all the teams written on there who are into the round of 64 and we'll keep up with it that way. That's got to be a, a kind of a fun thing to do. This won't go with me to Lexington though, George. So um, this, this is going to stay here. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> that's, to, right. that's a lot to bring with me, but um, we'll definitely have that as a prop that nobody will get to see but us. Um, since mm -hmm. we do this on Zoom, it'll be a prop that we get to see at least after the round of 32. So I'll take it. Fair enough. I feel like that's a, a fair trade. But moving in here, let's go ahead and talk a little bit, George, about what we can expect or what we're looking at in this first round. Uh, we'll go through predictions. Like I said, we're going to start with the first four. Games are pretty much in order of... Uh, when they'll be seen. So I believe the mm -hmm. first two games we'll talk about will be on Tuesday. The next two games will be on Wednesday. Then we'll have our Thursday games and then we'll have our Friday games. And then of course we'll conclude the show. But uh, George to start with here, the first game on, on tap for us on Tuesday, Texas Southern versus Texas A&M. Uh, what is that? What is the CC? It's not, a, it's a Corpus Christi. Cor there it is. Yeah. Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi. So that's our first game on there. Um, commerce is a division two program. I don't know why I said that, but Texas Southern versus Texas A&M Corpus Christi, the, the mouthful there, who are you taking in that first game? I don't know a dang thing about either of them. So in regards to one of the teams that got robbed, Texas A&M, I'm taking the team with Texas A&M in the name. So give me Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Yeah. That's, I, my, that's my only reasoning. I barely could pronounce them. So I'm going to go with Texas Southern. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Like a, big, a big game that we are kind of keeping our eyes on because I think both of us have an idea that either one of these teams, if they win, could pull an upset in that first round um, they would take on St. Mary's is that Indiana-Wyoming game. A lot of favorites, a lot of people picking Wyoming to be that team that gets out of there. I'm going to take the Hoosiers, though. I, uh, I have a lot of ties to Indiana. I'm just feeling Indiana right now. I like what they did in the Big Ten tournament. Like I said, I mean, they they knocked off an Illinois team that's a favorite. Uh, they played 
to the last second against Iowa and lost on a three-point shot. I mean, so this is a, a team for me at least that I feel Indiana has it going in that first kind of taste of like, all right, let's get things going, get, get started, get hot, and see how we roll. I agree. Uh, I'm taking Indiana in that playing game as well. Uh, there's just something about Hoosier basketball if they can make it to the tournament. If they can make it, they always seem to make somewhat of a splash, whether it be an upset, whether it be a run, whatever. So I can't, I can't pick against the Hoosiers here, so I'm going with Indiana. All right. Bryant versus Wright State. It's the other battle for that 16 spot. Uh, the winner of that one would take on, I believe, is that Kansas that gets them? No, Arizona gets them. Arizona. So Arizona would get Bryant or Wright State. I'm going to take Wright State. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Are you are you just going to take Bryant because you don't want to say Wright State, or are you just going to No, no, point? I'm taking Bryant because Bryant has a leading score in the nation in Peter Kiss. And he's uh, like he's, – he's a bad dude. Like Peter Kiss is a bad dude. Like that, he's averaging twenty five point one points a game this season, leading all of Division One. And that man, he's got, he's got a mean streak. Like that dude talks some crap. I was watching some highlights of him, and all that dude does the entire game is talk. So if he can back it up, I got Brian absolutely mowing Wright State, mowing. I wouldn't say mowing. Moving on, I think this is another game that I'm going to keep my eye on as well that I think could be a, a, a pretty big uh, impact in that first round of uh, not only in this play, or the first four, if you will, but also if they make it to the round of 64. I think this is a very tough matchup with Notre Dame and Rutgers. Uh, both these teams very talented. Uh, I have always just thought the Fighting Irish are one of those teams that could really when it comes to tournament time, they're so dangerous. If they get a chance, if they can sneak in, Notre Dame will, will shoot the lights out on you. Um, so for me, I'm going to go with the luck of the Irish uh, just because St. Patty's Day is literally Thursday. Mm-hmm. So if one team's going to be playing on Thursday, <laughs> it's going to be Notre Dame. Do they even play on Thursday? That could be terrible. <laughs> they don't even play. They play Friday, whatever. Yeah, Maybe yeah, Notre Dame mind. doesn't gone. get there and then they're hung over on Friday. So whatever. <laughs> um, but I'm taking Notre Dame. I still think Notre Dame's one of those teams that's dangerous when it comes to tournament time and has been for the past few years. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going Notre Dame in that one as well. And I'm going strictly based upon their resumes and their upsets. And to me, the Kentucky up the, whenever Notre Dame upset Kentucky, that's just a little more impressive than any win that Rutgers has picked up this season. So I'm taking Notre Dame the day after St. Patrick's day. Let's see if the luck is still there. If it it proves detrimental for the Irish. It would be the first four game would be the day before St. Patty's day. So, so they would have, they would win then have a day off to celebrate yeah, St. Yeah, Patty's yeah, Day yeah. and the victory and then play on Friday and yeah. see if the magic is still there and then probably play on Sunday. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. It's a good week to be Irish, so let's see if Notre Dame can back that point up for us. Let's move into Thursday's games. Getting things started off, the game that we said we really don't know much about, Michigan-Colorado State. Hey, that's a good way to start off here. Uh, looking at that and looking at that first round, uh, George, like we said, we, we kind of were wondering, um, I put Colorado state on an upset alert just because of mm-hmm. the Michigan team that's coming in there and, and just kind of having a, a wherewithal and, and having a, 
a coach that's been there, done it before. I'm taking Michigan to start things off with. Uh, where do you go on this one? I'm going to take Michigan as well, just because kind of like how we said, there's I don't know a whole lot about the matchup, so I'm just kind of taking the more prominent known <laughs> in this case. And also, Jawan Howard is back from serving his suspension. He's going to be full of piss and vinegar. So we're going to see what's going on there with the Wolverines. And so I'm taking Michigan. That's right. I forgot about that. Let's go Fab Five all over again here, right? Um, Next game, South Dakota State versus Providence. The Friars were playing great basketball late in the year. I know you said that you uh, you could see them as an upset in this one. You actually are taking the Jackrabbits, correct? Absolutely, I'm taking the Jackrabbits. Uh, give me South Dakota State, and they're one of the hottest teams in the country. They they rolled through their conference tournament, and man, I just don't think Providence got enough. So I think I think it's going to be a big. I think it's going to be one of the big stories of the weekend or of the first week is that upset that South that I believe South Dakota State is going to pull. I'm going to take the Friars. I like it. I respect I, it. I'm going to take the Friars. I, I think Providence. Uh, playing in their conference, sees a lot of great talent, sees a lot of tough opponents throughout the year. Um, So I'm going to take Providence in this. I I just kind of feel that the Friar magic isn't over just yet. Moving into our first nine versus eight matchup uh, in this one, I think Memphis is young and hungry. I think Memphis is a team that got to a championship game. I think that they've played a lot of better basketball. I think their team's getting more and more experience. The Boise State team, as much as uh, it's hard to choose against a conference champion, I'm going to take uh, Memphis as my first nine spot here. Uh, maybe, maybe I know Murray State's in there, and I know Jaws probably going to watch Murray. Maybe he goes and watches Memphis as well, you know? Maybe he gives a little bit of love from the Memphis Grizzlies to the Memphis Tigers. Right. And uh, this game to me, it's, it's a toss up. Like both teams are playing some of their best basketball here recently. I know Memphis did get beat by Houston in their conference championship, but I mean, Houston is a very respectable opponent. So Memphis has ter- absolutely revived their season from the dead, as it was so a month and a half ago. So it's really hard to go against Penny Hardaway in this group of young guns, but I'm going to do it because I can't stand Penny Hardaway. So give me Boise State and the Broncos to take that one. You don't even know Penny Hardaway. Man, all I know is that he talks crap about Tennessee and it ticks me off. Uh, you know, at one, <laughs> like, yeah. we got to re- we got to remember at one point Memphis and Austin P had the best football programs in the state, but nobody likes to point that out. Um, yeah. Except for <laughs> me, I love to point it out. Moving on to the next game, our first number one in action. Now, uh, UMBC is not in here. We know that much. So, you know, we we, we don't know if we're going to see a, a one seed get beaten. And of course, uh, that Virginia team, you, I, I hate I hate and love the fact that they show that video. I mean, the, the Virginia guys, just like, what happened mm-hmm. to us? Um, first number one seed is Baylor taking on Norfolk, uh, Norfolk State. I can't see Baylor losing this game. I just don't see it happening. I, I don't think there's any magic in the 16s this year. I, I think Baylor's going to run with this one pretty easily. All right, the game of interest for you, my friend. The next one on the on the docket here: the Longwood Lancers taking on the Tennessee Volunteers. Who you got? I mean, anything can happen because it's Tennessee. But I mean, Tennessee should win this game, so I'm, I'm taking Tennessee. 
anything can happen in March, as I said, but I got confidence in the volunteers in this matchup. The Longwood Lancers. <laughs> Just excited to be here. I don't see them matching up and beating the SEC tournament champions. I just, I can't, uh, as much as it'd be, it would be, that would be probably the most wild moment if it happened because of Mm -hmm. just the fact that it's Longwood and we're like, you know, who is this team, whatever. But for me, at least, I mean, as Tennessee's playing great ball right now, uh, they're not even a hundred percent healthy and they're still playing great ball. So, I mean, that's something that I, I look at as well and saying, you got a team in Tennessee that that could still make a run and still get key pieces back that may be missing. So um, Tennessee definitely going to give them the victory there. All right, number twelve seed Richmond taking on the five seed Iowa. Is it upset mania from the Spiders or do you give it to the Hawkeyes here? The Hawkeyes are hot. They they came off a great performance in their conference tournament, especially in that championship game against Purdue. And this Iowa team, they have Final Four potential. So I'm taking I'm taking Iowa. This, this is a pretty easy one for me. I, I love the story of Richmond being bid stealers this year after winning their conference tournament. But I think their their magic runs out here. I think Iowa takes it. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Iowa's a fantastic team. You think of the McCaffrey brothers that are playing on that team. I mean, just how hot they got late against Purdue scares me for any team that's going to take them on. I I could see, like I said, I see Iowa uh, really in my mind kind of being that sweet 16 team. I I don't know if Providence can match up against that Hawkeye team that when they, if they get hot late, holy cow, you're in for a treat when they start shooting the threes as well. That's a team that just, you you want to talk about a team that shoots the three and just doesn't miss. I mean, their <laughs> shots are just on point when they're shooting threes. Look at our another 16 versus one seed. Uh, I think we're we're both kind of leaning the same way. I think Gonzaga uh, will handle uh, Georgia State. I think that one's self-explanatory. Like, Gonzaga's number one overall seed. I don't see them getting knocked out by a 16. I mean, anything can happen, but I don't see it happening. So, Gonzaga, yeah. Another nine versus eight, our second nine versus eight on that first day, by the way. There's three games, three nine versus eights. So obviously, you mentioned the only one that's not played is going to be Seton Hall uh, versus TCU. That's going to mm-hmm. be on uh, that Friday night thriller, if you will, the uh, matinee, the late showing, if you will. Uh, but the fighting Dwayne Wade's alma mater mm-hmm. taking on the University of North Carolina. It's hard to pick against uh, North Carolina. I mean, really just especially with kind of their late work that they were doing. And, you know, if you want to talk about a team that doesn't care about rites and rituals, you go in and beat Coach K in his final home game. Uh, this is a this is a team of Stone Cold Killers right now. I'm going to take UNC in that matchup against Marquette. I agree. And Marquette, they've had, they've had some moments this season where they've looked really good, but there's just too much inconsistency there for me to feel comfortable with them. So I'm going to take UNC as well, and it's March with, with North Carolina, so as we know, anything can happen. And so, yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking the Tar Heels. UConn, North, uh, New Mexico State is the 5-versus-12 matchup. I think that's our, yeah, that's our second 5-versus-12 matchup. Iowa versus Richmond is our first one. Uh, and that one, I, I don't know if this is uh, – I remember a few years ago, I want to say, and, and it's probably not even a few years ago. It's probably like six or seven years ago. New Mexico State had that monster of a human being uh, on their on the floor, and I, <laughs> I was very sad when they lost. I can't remember who they lost to, but it was – oh, it was San Diego State. 
they lost, they lost the Aztecs there, but it was such a close game. And I just remember I had picked San Diego State because I was like, who's New Mexico State anyway? And then I watched the game and I was like, man, I don't even care if this breaks my bracket because this dude's a monster. <laughs> um, but of course they lost. So in the same theme of it, I'm picking UConn. I, I, I'm taking UConn as well. I think the, the New Mexico State, they're the Aggies, correct? Yes. Yes. The, I don't think they're the one Aggie got left out of this tournament. The other one's going to go home pretty quick. So I'm taking UConn. Is that why you didn't pick Richmond as well? Because they were probably the ones that bounced Texas A&M. No, no, I don't. I don't. That doesn't bother me. Texas A&M <laughs> is not in it, but I feel bad because I feel like they should have been. You still <laughs> hate, you just still hate Michigan at this point, but it's all fine. I do. St. <laughs> Peter's taking on Kentucky. Uh, I feel like this is one of those ones where you can just go ahead and take it to the bank. Yes, I agree. Kentucky, I think, will roll in this game. The Peacocks, right? Of St. Peter's? Yes. Yeah, I'm I, I can't why? I can't I can't bet on a peacock. I'm sorry. If you're gonna take <laughs> if you're gonna take a wildcat or a peacock, if that's what you're basing this off of, take the wildcat. Somebody's yes. somebody's gonna comment on this and let me know that peacocks are like one of the most dangerous birds ever or something like that. Right. <laughs> and I'm just gonna say, okay, cool, but uh, the the population drop of birds in our world is because of uh, uh, like feral cats. So I'm just yes. going to throw that out there. All right. A team that we kind of thought were on upset alert. We both picked Indiana. We think Indiana is going to be taking on St. Mary's. We thought that if Indiana could get there, they can get hot. Um, I'm going to continue with the upset theme here for Indiana. I'm going to take the Hoosiers if they get there over St. Mary's. And I, and I know we, we talked about the resume for St. Mary's and the Gales are going to come in and we know that they can always make a run. I think Austin P is going to beat St. Mary's women in the WBI to start things off. And I'm going to take Indiana to beat St. Mary's. It's going to be a sad day for St. Mary's college. There you go. I like, I like your, your strategy there. Uh, I think, I think I'm going to roll it as well. I'm going to roll with the upsets and I'm taking the Hoosiers if they make it. And the St. Mary's team, they're really, it, they're hard. They're tough to pick because if they're hitting their if they're hitting the three ball, they're they're gonna they're gonna roll. If they're missing, Indiana's got this one in the bag because St. Mary's is a very one dimensional offense. So I'm, I'm taking Indiana in this one because I think their defense matches up well against them. Creighton, uh, San Diego State University, the nine versus eight. There, Creighton being the nine seed. Um, this isn't the uh, the McBuckets Creighton. Um, this is a this is a different Creighton team. This isn't a Creighton team that likes to shoot threes. Um, Doug, Doug McBuckets is not walking out there. I, I kind of when I when I was looking at that and I was doing some research on this matchup because you know eight eights versus nines always freak me out uh, because you know you normally have an eight seed who like magically wins and then all of a sudden they're in the final four and you're like whoa what you know what happened you know right. um, so in this one though I'm going to take San Diego State. I, I just uh, uh, like I said, they're not. This isn't a Creighton team that I can sit there and say I want to watch play. This is a defensive Creighton team. Boo. That's the reason I'm taking Creighton. I, I like their defense, and as, as you said, the, the three ball isn't there anymore. the The offensive intensity of Creighton is not the way that we that we're used to. But that defense has improved mightily, and I think that's gonna that San Diego State is gonna struggle against it. So I'm taking Creighton. Pig Suey, Catamounts, taking looking at that 13 versus four seed. Both of us think that Arkansas could be up for an upset right now. I, I, I think 
We talked about how Vermont likes to play basketball. They have a lot of guys that are fast, want to get to the rim, want to score buckets. Uh, you have an Arkansas team that obviously plays extremely tough opponents, had a great, great season did Arkansas um ended up as what the four seed in the SEC chant or SEC tournament. So I mean mm-hmm. this was a this was a tough team at, out of Arkansas taking on a very tough Vermont team that when you talk about how uh South Dakota State ran through their conference, Vermont ran through their conference championship. There yes. was uh, I don't think they lost I don't think there was a game that was under a 20 point differential. Um they never trailed. Yeah and they never trailed during never that trailed. time. So Arkansas, I think probably as a four seed, this may be the toughest 13 four seed that we're going to see, uh, at least mm-hmm. in my opinion. I know you picked South Dakota State to beat Providence, so you're, you're, you're kind of uh, looping on with the Jackrabbits there. But for me, at least, looking at this Vermont-Arkansas matchup, I feel like my gut, like or like my weirdly my heart is saying Vermont's a Cinderella this year. Like I just mm-hmm. have this weird feeling, but my gut is just like, Arkansas can play up at any moment. And if they play Arkansas basketball, like I think this is going to be one of those games that comes down to a buzzer beater. I think this will be one of those ones that we get that shock and awe factor, but I just can't pick against Arkansas on this one. Um, If you can, George, all power to you, but I'm going to take Arkansas. I'm not going to pick against Arkansas either. Like Vermont has a Cinderella potential, but I guess you could say the the shoe doesn't fit in that sense. And so I'm taking one of the stepsisters. Yes, precisely, precisely one of the one of the stepsisters. And so I'm taking Arkansas. I think JD Note is too much. Williams is really good in the paint down low, and I, I think Vermont is going to test them. Like you said, I don't know if it's going to be a buzzer beater, but it's definitely going to be closer than what the line is saying. So I I think Arkansas is going to handle it, but they're going to sweat. Next game on the docket there, San Francisco, the 10 seed taking on the 17 our seven seed Murray state spelled M U asterisk asterisk a Y state. Um, how do we get that shout out there? Right. I mean, that's, that's, oh, yeah, that apparently caused a war this year between Austin P and yeah. that school from Callaway County. Uh, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's going to be close, man. I've talked about KJ Williams. I think he's a fantastic big man. Uh, he's a dominant force down low. I mean, the first time we saw him, he only had four points. The second time we saw him, he about had like, 45 it felt like the guy was scoring at will mm-hmm. tevin brown another huge name that you'll you know if you don't know the name tevin brown you'll come to know it uh within those first two rounds especially of this uh of this tournament i'm going to take the team from callaway county yeah i'm taking the voldemort's as well the team that shall not be named and you know who i'm talking about i'm not happy about it but i'm taking them just because that team, that that's a Cinderella-esque team that I fully believe could if they catch their opponents at the right time. So give me, give me Voldemort. Yeah, and and unfortunately as well, it's like at least with Ja Morant, like even <laughs> as like us as Austin P guys, we're like, all right, we like Ja, but yeah, yeah, he was fun to watch. Yeah, it's just these it's guys, they, they just. I don't like them. They, they just, just win. Them it's stupid. Yeah, it uh, is stupid. <laughs> it's stupid. All right. Uh, 13 seed Akron taking on four seed UCLA. Another team that I really don't like is UCLA with, you know, my whole family, my dad's side mm-hmm. of the family coming from Southern California. You get to choose between USC or UCLA. Uh, that side of the family has always chose USC. So for me, mm-hmm. uh, I really don't like UCLA, but I'm going to take UCLA in this one because I don't think the zips have enough zip in them to knock down the Bruins. 
I, I agree. There's too much talent that has returned to this UCLA team and too much experience. They made that deep run last year, and I think they're very more than capable of doing it again. So I'm taking UCLA. It's it's. I don't think Akron's got enough. Uh, Kansas. Uh, I think that's pretty self-explanatory for me. I'm going to take Kansas in that first round. Uh, do you believe Texas A&M Corpus Christi can knock off the Jayhawks? No. I don't think there's there's a chance. Like like this year, I don't think any of the one seeds are in any of should should sweat at all in their opening games. But it'd be, I think it'd be funny if they did. But I, I think Kansas got this one in the bag. I remember watching uh, Austin P take on a Kansas team. Uh, I want to say it was my first year when I was in Michigan. So probably like tw- the 2016. Uh, NCAA tournament. Yeah. So when Austin P was the eighth seed and had that magic run. And for a moment, it was Michigan State had just lost to Middle Tennessee State. So, like, everybody in the newsroom who were all pulling for Michigan State turned around. And they were like, we're going to root for Austin P. And I was like, who? Not against Kansas. So, um, <laughs> but they all were fired up for the first 10 minutes or so of that game when Austin mm-hmm. P was giving it to him. And there was a little bit of sweat on Bill Self's brow, but not a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, Moving into Friday, Loyola Chicago versus Ohio State. Starting things off, I'm going with Sister Jean. Just simply put, no other no other reason why. I'm just going to go with uh, Sister Jean and and the Catholic community. That that's my reasoning too. I mean, I, I believe at this point it's the Lord's will for Loyola Chicago to win. So I mean, I can't really go against it. So give me Sister Jean and Loyola yeah. Chicago. And then, of course, I hope Loyola Chicago uh, introduces our good friends Murray State to the conference next year uh, very nicely. <laughs> yes. Uh, you already know my feelings about the Auburn-Jacksonville State game. I hope Jacksonville, or I hope Auburn just beats the brakes off of Jacksonville State to let them and remind them that uh, next year in the A-Sun, get ready, son, because we're coming. Thanks. Screw Jacksonville State. Give me Auburn. Go Tigers. Different Tiger, but still. <laughs> go Bruce Pearl. Um, no. Oh, no. Sorry. No. Sorry. So you mean, do you mean to bring up other former Tennessee coaches and get you angry for a minute? No. All right. Let's move along. <laughs> that three seed Texas Tech taking on Montana State. I'm going to go with Texas Tech in that one. Yeah. There's, there's not enough there for Montana State. Like, again, another team that shoots the three ball pretty well, but. Uh, Texas, Tech, excuse me, Texas Tech. Their defense is one of the one of the best in the country, and I think they're just going to lock up that Montana State offense. So give me Texas Tech. A game that I would normally choose the Ivy League, right? I always like to choose an Ivy League opponent. We talked about that when we were doing the bracket breakdown. I like to choose. Um, I like to choose that Ivy League school just because I, I've I've had success in the past on picking brackets and, and always giving the Ivy league some love because it normally does come down to one or two shots. If Yale shoots the ball against uh, Purdue and Purdue finds themselves down, that could be dangerous for Purdue. Now, I don't think Purdue's going to lose this game. I think that they're going to use the big man Edie as long as they can and get some points in the paint. And then my guy Ivy, I don't know if you got to watch Ivy play, but he has probably one of the quickest first steps. And the fact that he would attack the rim and slow down in time to pull off of a charge 
was some of the mm-hmm. greatest work I saw from from a point guard during this tournament time, uh, and like the big, uh, at least in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, so for me, I think Purdue comes out, but I I could see this game coming down to one final shot, and somehow that Ivy League school being right there at at the throat of Purdue and Purdue just surviving. I can, I can see that. The thing that keeps going through my head is a few years back, whenever Yale beat Baylor, and you do you remember that? Yeah, I picked Yale, obviously. I mean, I always yeah. – this is like yeah. the one time I'm not taking an Ivy League school. Like, I'm just uh, telling you. Like, I always take Ivy League schools. And it's it's just – that kind of keeps replaying in my head where it's just, could that happen again? Does, does, does it strike twice? Purdue is too defensively sound, in my opinion, to let that happen. So I'm going to go with Purdue as well, but I'm not confident in this pick. I definitely think Yale could – at least scared them. So I'm I'm gonna go Purdue, but it's a light it's a light take on Purdue. Wasn't there a few? I think it was uh, wasn't it Cornell that had a had a run? Um, I want to say it was uh, a few years back as well. I, I might be wrong on that. It was either Princeton or Cornell that just mm-hmm. had an amazing run um, where they won their first round game. And I think they might've snuck into the sweet 16 or was like a right. three pointer away from being in there. So um, mm-hmm. just Ivy league schools, man, I, I want to say it's just, it's hard to pick against them. All right. Villanova versus Delaware, uh, the fighting Jay Wrights versus the fighting Joe Flacco's I'm taking Villanova. Yeah. Joe Flacco. He sucks. And so does Delaware. Give me Villanova. The whole state. <laughs> is what we're saying there. All right. I'm going to take USC. I think this is a team that's been proven. They they found themselves on a late push into the uh, NCAA tournament last year, found themselves playing uh, when a lot of teams were sitting at home there. Uh, I believe what they made it down to the Elite Eight, correct? Um, on their push U- last USC? year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to take USC again. I know Miami's uh, out there playing their hearts out. Um, and it was a great story about Miami, but I, I just, I, I can see USC getting this victory. And one of my brackets, uh, I have USC in the final four. So I'm pretty high on this USC team just with the potential they have. So I'm going to take them over the hurricanes as well. I think the Trojans can take this one. All right. So the hangover doesn't last after St. Patty's day. I'm taking another group of Catholics here, Notre Dame, as they are going to upset, not only are they going to win in, beat Rutgers, they're going to upset Alabama. I really like that pick. I, I do. Like Alabama is a very they're either hot or they're not, as I said earlier. And plus, I hate the I hate Alabama, so I'm not picking them. <laughs> Give me Notre Dame as well after that play-in game. I thought you're a big Nick Saban fan. Anyway, moving along before you can get a chance to rebuttal. Uh, Texas versus Virginia Tech. I think you and I made ourselves very clear on this. I'm taking. I'm taking the Hokies. Let's go Vatek here. Absolutely. I, I got to ride the hot hand too. They, they've, they're they too hot to ignore at this point. They made their statement and they're still getting the, they're still getting disrespected by some. I think they're going to take that with as some firepower and run with a chip on their shoulder. And I think they're going to win. I think they're going to take this upset. Now for me, I have, like I said, I have gotten to a point where I haven't really taken many major upsets. So I feel that I'm going to take one that's going to be weird and wrong. Um, and this is the game that I feel that way about, right? Like Chattanooga versus Illinois. Does Kofi Cockburn and company have enough to bounce back and come out and get this victory against Chattanooga? Or does that Cinderella story that we saw for them to win the SOCON and advance 
uh, beating Furman the way they did. Uh, does that continue here for Chattanooga? I really don't know. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm going to take Illinois just because of, of who they've played and their strength of schedule, but I can see Chattanooga getting the victory here. I'm taking the mocks. I like Chattanooga in this matchup. They can shut down Kofi Cockburn in the paint and win with their perimeter defense and their outside shooting. Chattanooga can definitely win this game. It's a great matchup for Chattanooga. It's It truly is. Their perimeter defense matches up well against Illinois' lackluster guards. And the reason Illinois can make up for those lackluster guards is because of Kofi Cockburn. So if, if Chattanooga can shut him down, Chattanooga wins the game. So I'm taking the mocks. Yeah. Uh, the last, I mean, if you got to think back to another Tennessee team that beat Illinois in the tournament in 1987, Austin P. Mm-hmm. Victory against Illinois. Dick Vitale stood on his head, baby. Moving <laughs> along, Duke, Cal State, Fullerton. I'm going to take Duke. I don't know if Coach K's career can end in the first round. Um, I, I won't allow it to end in the first round. I think if that happens, <laughs> I'll just go ahead and catch the whole bracket on fire and we'll just cancel oh, yeah. basketball from here on out. But uh, I know you said there's a possibility you could see a 15 upset of two and you thought maybe it could be Cal State Fullerton against Duke. What's your pick here? Cal State Fullerton's sneaky. They have some really good interior play in the paint, especially coming from the breakout season from Tennessee transfer EJ Anasicki. He's averaging 16.4 points for the Cal State Fullerton Titans. But I still don't think it's enough. Like uh, like you said, it wouldn't be right for Coach K's career to end in the first round. And I don't think, no matter what, I don't think they're going to let it happen. So I'm taking Duke in this one. I think the Blue Devils have the potential to either make a deep run or they're going to get put out in the round of 32. So we'll see. <laughs> either or. Um <laughs> LSU, Iowa State, it could be, an uh, like you said, it could be LSU rallying with the new coach, or they could be in complete turmoil right now against Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State's made some uh, made some runs before in the past where they've, they've had some great tournament berths. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take this since I feel like I haven't made enough upset picks. I'm going to take Iowa State over LSU. I'm, I'm taking the Cyclones as well in this one. Uh, I think there's going to be too much – controversy surrounding LSU and I don't they could rally the troops like you said but the Cyclone team has a history of making some upsets happen so I'm taking the Cyclones number one Arizona taking on either Wright State or Bryant I know you picked Bryant I picked Wright State um Arizona gonna struggle in that game even if they play Peter Kiss the nation's leading scorer and Bryant no Arizona's too good on both sides of the ball their offense is lead their defense is great so, well, Arizona's going to roll on this one. Yeah, I picked Arizona as well. I have Houston beating UAB. Uh, like I said, uh, Houston's one of uh, – I can't remember the exact statistics, but they're, I believe, the second or third uh, most wins in the nation over the past, what, three seasons, um, mm-hmm. three or four seasons now. So, Houston, to me, is, is one of my dark horses in this entire thing. I think they could – it completely come out of their region as well, um, which would be the South side. So I think Houston could be that team, uh, team that made it to the final four, I believe last year. So um, Houston to me is a team that is very scary. We saw how hot they got against like Memphis tried to come back in that game. Houston shooting was so hot. It just Memphis could just barely make it back into it. I'm taking Houston there. I'm going to take Houston as well, and the reason being is because they're a top-10 team in the country in defensive efficiency. 
once they get locked in on defense, you're not scoring. That's how they managed to stave off that comeback that comeback attempt from Memphis. Once once they figured out Memphis's offensive scheme, they shut it down very quickly. And so I think the Cougars won't struggle here. Moving on to the 10 versus 7 matchup, our last 10 versus 7. Davidson taking on Michigan State. So the Steph Curry's fighting Steph Curry's taking on the one and only Tom Izzo. Uh I I'm really going back and forth on this one. I think Davidson, we saw how they lost. Uh, in their conference championship game against Richmond. Um, I, I don't think that really stood the test of who they are as a team. I think this is a much different team. Um, it is hard to uh, to pick against Coach Izzo, though, in the month of March, and knowing that the possibility that we're going to see a Coach K-Coach Izzo matchup for the last time in that round of 32, uh, I'm just kind of picking Michigan State because I want that to happen. I do think Michigan State is a very good ball club. Don't think – I'm not just saying that just because I want that theatrics of the round of 32, but uh, I definitely would like to see Michigan State get there, and I think that they can. I think they can too. The Spartans are always tough in March unless you're playing the MTSU Blue Raiders. And so I, Tom Izzo, he's tough to bet against in this month and in this tournament, so – I'm going to take Michigan as well, and I think it's going to be a pretty cool matchup in uh, the round of 32 with Coach K and uh, Michigan State matching up there. Wisconsin, Colgate. That's your matchup next to look at the final 14 versus three seed. I'm taking the Badgers. Uh, I, I like Wisconsin during tournament time. They are a tough team when it gets to this point. Uh, like you said, I, I think that they've kind of uh, had a kind of the end of the season that they wouldn't have wanted, but they're a three seed nonetheless, um, and they're taking on a 14 seed in Colgate. Um, if Colgate wins, I mean, Wisconsin lost to fighting toothpaste. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely a, a definitely would be a rough resume uh, spot for Wisconsin, but I just don't see the Badgers getting bounced this early. As we, as I said earlier, Wisconsin has absolutely limped into this tournament. And I think this game has the potential to possibly be an upset, but I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a closer game than what is expected. I think it might be 10 points or less, but I just don't think there's enough in Colgate to uh, to take out uh, the Badgers. Crest is better anyway, so give me the Badgers. I use Sensodyne because I'm old now. Finally, yeah, moving funny. along. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do when you get older. <laughs> uh, keep the teeth pearly white at this point and, and uh, making sure that they don't you know fall out on me, I guess is what right. I look at. But final matchup in eight versus nine, the final matchup. We talked about how tough this eight and nine seed matchups were all going to be, uh, that we have some great ones um, all around that I'm fired up about. This one. I, like I said, I've seen TCU play. Um, I thought that they were a tough team when we went down and played them. Granted, I mean, you know, Austin P is not the caliber of a Big 12 program. I mean, we are a, a mid-major. This is obviously a Power 5 school. Um, I got a good friend of mine who's a graduate of Seton Hall. So, for me, this was a coin flip game. Who do I have allegiance to? Uh, my good buddy, George Belecci, he roots for Austin P. anytime that Austin P. plays. So, I'm going to return the favor in this one. I'm going to take Seton Hall. I'll take the Pirates here. Uh, I think that they have a, uh, a great chance of beating TCU. I think it's going to be a good game, and I think it's going to be a great one for us to have to sit through and watch to see who's going to, uh, you know, when we can start our, you know, round of 32 show. So, uh, I'm going to pick Seton Hall, though. Seton Hall, they're always really tough in the tournament. They've always seemed to kind of be that team that could make that run to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, et cetera. 
But I'm sorry to Mr. Belecci. Great first name, by the way, George. That's a wonderful name. But uh, I'm going to take the Horn Frogs to TCU in this one because it's tough for me to bet against a frog with horns. So I'm going with TCU. But a pirate could stab a horned frog. Remember that. That's what you need to know when it comes down. And you just down. got a ticked off horned frog. Yeah, and that, it doesn't matter if it's a small frog stabbed <laughs> by a knife. Game over. Pirate wins that one. George, it's been a great show, man. I know this is a little bit longer one because we had a little bit more that we worked in here, obviously trying to do the bracketology and all the good mm -hmm. jazz that we did with it. And then on top of it, still having to break some news earlier this week. Uh, Tom Brady couldn't just let us talk about the brackets um, right? As, as we would expect from the uh, the goat of the NFL. Um, so Tom Brady making, making news first for us. And then of course, all the baseball stuff going on. So wanted to get all that done, but George, another fantastic week, man. I'm uh, very appreciative of you joining me here. We're hoping to get you guys another show, hopefully on Friday night, uh, into Saturday morning will be when the next show drops. Hopefully, um, like I said, I will not be in my normal studio with my normal fast internet either. So I have to see how that's going to look when we get going on, uh, on things like that. So, um, George, man, any final thoughts going into the round? Oh, the, the I guess the first four and then the round of 64. Well, for both of us, the first four, those matchups are going to determine whether or not we burn our brackets. So, I mean, we got a couple teams that are that we got making some fairly decent runs here in the tournament. So we got a lot of basketball ahead of us, a lot of more, uh, a lot more in, in NFL free agency, a lot more MLB free agency. We're in for a wild week, and I'm excited to see what happens. Well, for George and myself, we want to say so long, I guess. Uh, Avita Zane to our German listener. Forgot to mention that. That's one of my favorite things to mention. Um, <laughs> But definitely want to say thanks so much for listening to another week. Of course, don't forget, if you want to, you can always share us uh, on your social media page. Obviously, we post this on all of our social media, so feel free to share and uh, get your friends to start listening as well. Let us know. You can always leave us comments on the podcast, whatever it is. Uh, comment on the links if you have any ideas, whatever it is. Like I said, we're going to try to get our bracket situated here as well so we can start a bracket for the show um, and see how many of you guys have predicted better than George and I could in the first round, or at least on our brackets in general. Each week, George and I are obviously going to pick the matchups, even if it doesn't match our brackets. Uh, it makes us seem like we can be a little bit smarter, and, and that way our brackets aren't completely dead on day one. We still have the show to keep us alive for another uh, show or episode or whatever it is. So, George, again, man, thanks so much for joining me this week. Uh, thanks so much for everyone that's downloaded and been a part of the show and continues to listen to us each and every week. Big shout out to our guy, Corey Turner at Big Timber Roofing as well, our first ever sponsor for the show. Uh, thanks, guys, for listening to another week, and we hope that you join us again probably later this week as we roll out another episode of Talking Schmidt. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week.